Welcome to the Whitewater Podcast. Stay tuned at the end of the message for church resources and more information about Whitewater. For now, let's dive into this week's message together. How do we mend broken relationships? Around 250 AD, the Decian persecution began. Now what this is, or what this was, was the Roman Emperor Decius issued a decree commanding that all people in the Roman uh, Empire sacrifice to the gods and the emperor. Now, this caused a great persecution to break out, especially against the Christians and the church, because Christians didn't want to worship the gods that they were being commanded to worship. Now, Christians were being forced to recant their faith and betray or turn over other Christian believers to the Roman government. Anyone who did not comply were persecuted through arrests, exile, confiscation of property, and even torture. Some Christians abandoned their faith. Some recanted their faith and betrayed other Christian brothers and sisters to torture and coercion by the Romans. Other Christians refused to recant under the persecution and pressure and even brutal torture. Christians who had given in to pressure and recanted their faith were eventually excommunicated from the church. They were called lapsed Christians because they had recanted or or given up on their faith publicly. About a decade later, the persecution ended and the empire entered a time of relative peace. Now, many of the lapsed Christians that had given into the pressure wanted back into the church. The question for the church became, should we let those lapsed Christians return? Should we allow those who betrayed Jesus and betrayed us and our church family back into the church family? Now, there was one group that came up with their answer, and their answer was no. It was to reject the lapsed Christians. They insisted that they not be allowed to return. Another group said that lapsed Christians could only be allowed to return after repayment or probation and penance. So they believe that lapsed Christians must earn their way back in and sometimes even be rebaptized. And a later group even said there was no need for baptism, but there was still need for penance or for excommunicated Christians to earn their way back into the fold. The penance system that developed was actually the system that Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation protested against later on in history. Jesus offers us a different way, the way of return. Before his death on the cross, Jesus had a very significant conversation with Peter, who eventually became the apostle who built the church. Now, this conversation they had is often unseen or understood by the church. In the book of Luke, we see in chapter 22, Jesus say this, Simon, Simon, that was the other name for Peter. Look, Satan has asserted the right to sift you all like wheat. However, I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail. When you have returned, strengthen your brothers and your sisters. Now, Jesus is drawing on a really important theme, one of the most central themes to the Jewish faith and to the Christian faith. He's drawing on the Hebrew concept or word teshuva, which means to return home. This is a concept that Jesus knows is at the heart of God's story for humanity. Exile and then return. Wander and then return home. Uh, We see this with Adam and Eve when they're exiled from the garden. There's a promise that humanity will be brought back in and return. We see the the Babylonian exile and the longing for, for the return of God's people. We see this in Jesus' parable in Luke 15, often known the prodigal son. And this is about the return to God, the return home. So how do we mend broken relationships? This is at the heart of our faith. And Jesus gives us the path of return. 
Now, we've looked at paths that the world and religion give, and I'll just remind us, uh, the path of rejection, which follows this pattern. We fail and we fall away, and then then we face rejection. We can't actually re-enter the community that we came from. So there's a stigma within the family of faith around someone who is always rejected. They can never get back in. It's fail, fall away, reject, and then a stigma in the family of faith. Uh, Another way of responding is the way of repayment. And the pattern is this, fail and fall away and then repay. And then you can return with a stigma to the family. And you notice in this pattern that in the verse, in the teaching of Jesus, he says, hey, when you fall away, return and then strengthen your brothers and sisters. There's a reversal. You have to strengthen the family and repay the family so that you can return. Whereas Jesus reverses the order and says you can return and strengthen the family. In fact, let's look at the way of return, this restoration pattern. This Jesus-shaped restoration pattern goes like this, fail and fall away, return and strengthen the family of faith. In verse 31, again, we see Simon, Simon, look, Satan has asserted the right to sift you all like wheat. However, I have prayed that your faith won't fail. Jesus is saying that Peter is going to be tested and tempted by Satan just like Jesus was in the desert. But Peter, unlike Jesus, who succeeded the temptation, is going to have moments of failure. He's going to fail. He's going to listen to the wrong voice. So Peter does fail. We know the story. He denies Jesus in his greatest moment of need, but Jesus still restores him in this pattern of returning to the family of God. Now, Jesus in this moment is praying that his faith will sustain him through his failures. Jesus, his prayer is, it helps us all realize that your faith does not have to fail when you fail. (laughs) Your faith could actually bring you through failure. Often our failures and falling away don't seem obvious until our eyes are opened. When you look at Peter and you look at Peter's journey, Peter had failures in areas of ethnic and racial bias. He had a gender bias. He had theological issues that he was working out that he was really wrong on throughout his journey. And he always had to return to Jesus. Peter often thought he was so right. He would just jump into something when he would be so wrong. He didn't see it until later. I think many of us, especially in this last year, year and a half, uh, we can rush into things not knowing that we might be a little off or there's more to the story. And, you know, sometimes we can feel like we're following God and God's path for us when we might be, in fact, following a flag or a rage or a prejudice or a political agenda. How else can you explain a world where some Christians are more prone to leave their friends, family, and churches before they would ever consider leaving their political party, their business affiliation, or some other affiliation they have? I'm not saying that to condone or condemn a particular political party or a money-making endeavor. Those things can be good things, but they shouldn't be God things. It places a faith in Jesus underneath allegiance and faith in some political affiliation, racial affiliation, money-making affiliation, or something else. If you've become more committed to a cause than you are to Christ, something has gone terribly wrong. We've bought into a deception somewhere and have given our allegiance to something other than Jesus. A flag will never die for you and forgive your sins. A political party will never die for you and forgive you of your sins. A money-making endeavor will never die for you and forgive you of your sins. Jesus is the only one who, is, who has actually died to forgive you and make things right with God and with others. The Bible teaches us this. In Isaiah 53, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. 
Every human goes astray and follows things that are less than God and give our allegiance sometimes to something lower than Jesus. The question always is, when we realize that we've gone astray, will we return? And will we create a restoring community that Jesus actually died for, where others can return as full-fledged family members? You know, I wonder how many of us will look back at this pandemic and realize that we've been divided and strayed away from God's goodness to follow something lesser, something smaller, something pettier. I wonder how many of us might, you know, wake up someday and, and feel like the conviction to return to those who maybe we've cut out of our life. Will some of us be so hurt and mad at each other that we won't want to allow each other to return and be restored? We all wander at times, whether it's something simple, like when I struggle not to constantly snack during COVID-19. I know the, ex the exercise would be way better for me, but I still find myself wandering astray to my refrigerator. <laughs> or maybe something deeper, like the struggle of blending work and home life when you can't leave your home. Wandering off on the path of work and performance at the expense of quality, presence, and time with your daughter, your son, your family. We all wander and fail. Jesus went on to say, I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail. But when you have returned, I love that Jesus like has this conjunction from the prayer to his hope. When you have returned. In this verse, uh, Jesus holds the tension and room for failure to strengthen the family upon someone's return upon Peter's return. He expects heart change, expects restoration, which is always greater than repayment. Repayment can never cover the emotional and spiritual loss. Return or restoration creates something new, something better. Repayment puts a price on something that is priceless. It tries to earn something that can't actually be earned, while return or restoration creates something not only new, but allows us to create something better and more beautiful within the broken pieces. It reminds me of Kintsugi. Kintsugi is the ancient Japanese art of restoring shattered tea vessels by fusing the broken pieces together with gold. When our lives and relationships are shattered and broken, the path of rejection leaves the pot in pieces. The path of repayment gives some money or some penance, but still leaves the pot in pieces. However, the path of returning restores and generates something new, something more beautiful, something more valuable than what was originally there. A community of returning is a mosaic of broken vessels being gilded together into something more beautiful and useful in the hands of God than it ever was before. As Makato Fujimura points out about God's work as a master Kintsugi soul artist, he says this, through the fissures of our broken journeys, with the pieces of our own hearts shattered on the ground, we journey by God's grace into a new creation. Jesus prays not that Peter won't fail in the moment, but that his faith won't fail. Never stop believing God can turn evil into good and restore a brother or a sister. I love that statement. When you have returned, it's an assumption of failure, but it's also an assumption of confidence. I know that you're going to fail in the moment, but you will have a life of future glory from what you have learned. When you fail, don't let your faith fail. I don't think I'm really a Christian. A friend told me one time, I said, and why, why do you say that? He said, well, because I can't quit smoking. I've tried and I can't. Every time I try, I fall off the horse and I go back to smoking. If I was really a Christian, I would just stop doing the wrong thing. Do you like smoking? I asked him. I asked him again, and do you want to keep smoking? No, he said. 
ask one another question. Does it bother you that you struggled quitting? Yeah, it bothers me a lot, he said. Did it used to bother you before you were Christian? Well, no, he said. Well, I think the fact that it bothers you now and that you feel guilty about it is actually a sign that you want to quit, that you de- your desire is the same as Jesus. You're desiring something good. Your behaviors just haven't caught up with your belief yet. Sometimes we fail and fall many times before we quit or before we start or before we sustain and take off in our faith. Jesus built his spiritual family on a theology of return because he knew how prone we are to wandering off, how prone we are to failing. I was talking with another friend. They said that it can take up to seven tries on average for someone to kick a bad habit like smoking. That means humans require failure to succeed. Jesus knew Peter like every other human required failure to succeed in faith. But the only way human communities can truly flourish is to allow people to return from their failures, to fail forward together and to return from smoking or from addiction or from poor judgment again and again and again. Return does not mean enablement or continued abuse. There is a a line of wisdom. Of course, we need to be wise. Returning sometimes requires training wheels for health and safety. Nevertheless, getting back on the bike means returning to the family. When you have returned, strengthen your brothers and sisters. This last theme is so important. The purpose of returning, Jesus says, is this. When you have returned, strengthen your brothers and sisters. Strengthen your family of faith. How does someone strengthen a family when returning from failure? Let me give you three simple ways. One is honesty. Share the failure. Be honest. Be vulnerable. Be truthful. The second is humility. And also maybe share and show what you've learned. What has this taught you? And then thirdly, love. Receive forgiveness and reconciliation. Like receive it. Don't withhold it from yourself. Receive it. Show and share how God has used this experience to help you forgive and restore others, to give you more patience or more grace for others. And then part of loving is also committing to create a place where others can return and be restored. To the degree that we've been forgiven and restored is the degree to which we forgive and restore others. Strengthen your family with your failures and your fallouts. Romans 8.1 says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You can allow God to use your life and your brokenness. There's these fragmented pieces of your life or relationships can be put back together and made into something new that there's gold there. Allow God to use your failures. Allow God to use your addiction to free someone else's addiction. Allow God to use your story of mistakes to free some other people from their mistakes. Allow God to use your foolishness to free others from foolishness. Strengthen your family with what you have learned. What begins and was meant for evil, God will turn to good. Look at how Jesus restores Peter who failed and denied him and betrayed him. Look at how he brings back the person who hurt him the most and abandoned him at his greatest time of need. At the end of the book of John, after abandoning Jesus, totally failing, being known as a betrayer, denying Jesus that he knew him three times, he denied that he even knew his Lord and Savior. The resurrected Jesus shows up to meet Peter on the old lake at his old job as a fisherman. Carrying the shame of his betrayal, Peter is back doing what he did before he met Jesus. 
And that is where Jesus meets him at the lake with bread and fish to eat together with the disciples. Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? Imagine the, the emotion and the sorrow and the shame built up within Peter in this moment. And it's in front of other people. It's this a community moment. And with each question, Peter answers, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. With each question, there's both an acknowledgement of failure, but an affirmation of restoring love. Peter turned away, but now Jesus was bringing him back. He was restoring. Remember when I said, when you return, strengthen your brothers and sisters. Feed my sheep. I told you this was going to happen. Now get back up and get with the family and let's move forward. Now it was Peter's job to learn from his failure and use it to lead and strengthen Jesus' sheep, the family of God. Jesus is actively demonstrating the path of return, restoration. Fail and fall away, return, strengthen the family. Fail and fall away, return and strengthen the family. And on and on. Peter, the prodigal son, is returned to the compassionate embrace of the father. And in turn, he is to also help others who have wandered away, just like he has, return to the family of God. To the degree that we have been forgiven and restored determines the degree to which we forgive and restore others. Who do you need to forgive and who do you need forgiveness from? As a church, if we're standing with Jesus and we're helping people on the path of return, we should be looking and running toward people, returning home from failures, addictions, corruptions, idolatry, bigotry, nationalism, racism. Not because we love those things, but because we love people. We want, we long to see them restored to Jesus, to have like their minds transformed, their hearts transformed. Exclusion is easier than embrace at first. It's easy to see the sin. It's easy to hate that and identify that with the person. But all of us are lost sons and daughters of God who are needing to return home. Exclusion is always easier than embrace. That is until you you have to keep alert, vigilant, angry, bitter, and resentful enough to continually exclude those you long to actually love. Now, I want to give us an application from this sermon. Maybe you're standing there in the place of Peter and need to allow yourself to return. Do that today. Go talk to whoever you need to talk to and make it right. In the book of Matthew chapter five, it says this. So when you offer your gift to God at the altar or you're worshiping and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar, like stop worshiping and go make peace with that person and then come and offer your gift to God. Reach out to the person you aren't right with this week. You can say something like this. I know you feel this way and I felt this way, but I feel like there's a barrier between us and we're letting that be bigger than our relationship. I want us to be whole. I want to make it right between the two of us. Could you forgive me if I've offended you or damaged our relationship in any way? I'm committing to forgiving and making peace with you. Let's move forward together and let's put Jesus in the middle of all this. Something simple like that can restore a relationship that's been broken for a long time or maybe a relationship that's been broken, you know, during the pandemic. Here's a second point of application. Maybe you're standing in the shoes of Jesus, creating a community or family of return where people can return to each other as brothers and sisters. You're trying to be a peacemaker, not just a peacekeeper that's just sweeping things under the rug or ignoring things, but a peacemaker. You're standing in the place of Jesus. In these divided days, may the words of Jesus be your prayer and your posture. 
Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail. But when you've returned, strengthen your brothers and sisters. Could that be our prayer as a church? Today, I want our church to follow the words of Jesus, to come together, to forgive each other, to allow each other to return home and to strengthen each other with what we've learned. Communion is the Christian symbol of God's diverse and broken family returning again and again and again to the healing love of Jesus. If the first teaching of communion between Jesus and his disciples tells us anything, it's that we're all invited to the table of Jesus. If Peter, the failure, was invited to take communion, so are you invited. If Simon, the political zealot, was invited to take communion, so are you invited. If Judas, the betrayer, was invited to take communion, then so are you. It is at the table of Jesus where saints and sinners, failures and fallouts, are welcomed to return again and again to receive the forgiving love of our Savior, our teacher, and friend. Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us this week. At Whitewater, we believe in creating an environment where you can belong before you believe. If you want to learn more about who we are and what we believe in, visit us at our website, whitewaterchurch.org. If you'd like to contribute to Whitewater financially, you can give online at whitewaterchurch.org slash give. Or if you want to get involved in blessing our communities or are interested in joining a home church, email us at info at whitewaterchurch.org. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thank you.